was the sync clap. Those of you who've been here before know what that's about. Welcome. Please uh, find a way to be in this space. It's unique. We're kind of freestyling it. We'll kind of uh, see how it goes today and then um, adjust if we need to. Um, that's a seat right there. There's a seat over here. It's floor space. There's floor space down in front. There's this chair here as long as I can get to this water. Story time. Awesome. <laughs> floor space is best space. <laughs> a little more over here if anyone wants to get comfy. This is like circle time. We're all taking us back to kindergarten here. Can anyone sit on their legs like uh, with knees like in front? That was not a skill I had, but cool kids could totally do it. I was always a little envious. Um, welcome. <laughs> So it's Monday. Uh, you made it to the Game Audio Podcast Morning Meetup. Uh, first ever here at Sennheiser. Um, we're trying this out in a way to solve some problems. Uh, folks who've been to psych class before, show of hands. Oh, yeah. Excellent. A lot of familiar faces. Uh, good to see everyone. And, um, rip sight glass for this year. Uh, I miss them dearly. Um, but a couple of things that we wanted to solve for the community uh, in comparison to that space were, first of all, the accessibility uh, of this location. Um, easier, uh, more straightforward, um, and inclusive. Uh, the second thing is noise floor. Like, wow. <laughs> it's quite a change. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I mean, back of the room, what's up? Yeah, you can hear me, it's going good. Uh, and we got a couple wild cards this year as well coming up. Um, of course, this is the Game Audio Podcast Morning Meetup. We do this Monday through Saturday, 7 to 9 a.m., 7 o'clock. Doors open, 7.30, we start to kick off this conversation. Uh, and we do this every day, all the way till Saturday when we say goodbye. So thanks for coming to this. This is something that Anton Wolpeck and I started about eight, nine, ten years ago. Uh, and it started off as just uh, probably half dozen folks sitting around a table talking about what was going on at GDC, uh, recording it, and then trying to uh, put it up for the game audio community at large to kind of listen in on these conversations and have a way to feel the pulse on the ground here in San Francisco. I, just want to take a moment to acknowledge how lucky I am to be here today and lucky to have all of you here today. Uh, it's a gift to be here in San Francisco and to be able to bask in this kind of educational uh, knowledge. So congratulations and thanks for being here. Uh, right, Anton can't be here this year. Sad to miss him. Uh, uh, he was here last year and it was great to have him back. Uh, but there'll be some surprise guests throughout the week. I've asked a few people to co-host uh, with me in the mornings, and so we'll have a rotating cast of characters where we try to balance this discussion. So this discussion ends up being a little bit of what happened yesterday, uh, a little bit of what's gonna happen today, 
And then a little bit of what is the future of game audio. And those are the three big targets I think I like to set for this conversation. Uh, it is a totally open and uh, welcoming conversation. The goal is to get different perspectives from folks and kind of fill in the gaps that we'll all kind of uh, fall into throughout the conference as we explore and uh, find our own interactive path through this crazy thing. So with that, um, we're going to try something since there's so many folks here. Uh, if we can remember to, when we maybe speak for the first time, uh, say our name and also any gender pronouns that we want to choose. Uh, and that way we can try and get a baseline of uh, understanding uh, for each other and, um, and, and who we are. Uh, I like to think that I'm very approachable. My name is Damien. I use he and him pronouns. And welcome to the Game Audio Podcast. So designing sound last year, decided to put a lid on it. Folks familiar with designingsound.org? Yeah, sad to miss them this year. They usually coordinated a Sunday night uh, meetup. Last year's was rad. They went to the Synth Museum over in Emeryville. It was pretty cool. Uh, so with that, who did something good last night? Where was the party? What was fun? Who got here uh, and painted the town red? Yeah, uh, Dutch Courage party last night. A uh, bunch of indie developers showcasing uh, their games. Uh, it was really fun, and got to meet a lot of like cool uh, developers from across the pond. Of course, yeah. uh, they had uh, Spanish developers, like a whole section for that. Swiss, uh, Dutch, obviously the name, and then I think a couple of German. Uh, it was. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, really, really great people. They're always down to just hang out and just talk their game, your game, what you do. Uh, it's, it's a good introduction into GDC. <laughs> yeah, I would yeah. say. And not just audio folks. Full spectrum. Yeah, full spectrum. All the developers. And yeah. you tell them that you're an audio person, and they'll be like, "Oh, cool!" Like, and start, you know, asking you things about audio. <laughs> ah, great tip. Uh, name. Oh, uh, sorry, uh, my name's Eric Lorenz, uh, I use he, him, uh, hello. <laughs> cool, thanks. Uh, that's a great party, sounds fun. It's a lot of fun. Uh, hey, I'm Martin Kroner, uh, I go by he, him. Um, yesterday we had a yearly European bottomless mimosa brunch that started at 10 to 1. <laughs> because we hit the ground running and we hit it fast. <laughs> Um, and it's, it starts every year by, uh, by me and my friend Johan from Sweden and uh, we gather our people at Union Square and we walk through the Tenderloin, about 30 game developers and we go to the Sycamore in Mission to have sliders and bottomless mimosas. Yeah. And it's a little Scandinavians but each year it's a lot of older people coming as well and it's very inclusive, everyone is always invited and the Sycamore people are the friendliest bunch. They're very happy to see us each year and we will always have to tell every Scandinavian to tip in our way. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it was good. It's also fun at one o'clock to go out of there and definitely notice 
the mimosas. Aha! <laughs> a little perceptual tilt yeah. for you. But, but that is a yearly thing, so if you're suddenly jet-lagged and you want to have mimosas next year on Sunday, it's definitely a place at the Seeker Mart for everyone. You can get rid of your jet-lag. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. uh, one thing you said in there was, you know, they're always happy to see you. Yeah. Uh, does anyone here coordinate a game audio group in their town or participate in? Okay, cool. Do you have, like, is it an easy thing to find places that will host your group? I actually struggle with that. Um, my name is Rachel Robinson, she, her. Uh, yeah, I'm from Utah, so I mean, there's kind of, we're around, but like finding three places to meet up is kind of a challenge for me for some reason. And I, I don't know, maybe it's not doing their enough research or something, but yeah, maybe I can talk to you later about, or here. No, okay. it's difficult. No, yeah. <laughs> identify, right? Yeah. Like, it's, it's not always easy. It's, I find in Seattle game audio, we gotta land between 30 and 80 people, depending on the kind of event that it is. So yeah, that gets difficult fast uh, because wow, yeah, they want you to pay money and that's yeah. crazy for a like <laughs> yeah. grassroots community thing. It's hard thing. to have like frequent meetups if you have to pay every time. You know? Yep, yep, or then noise floor, right? Are we gonna go to the bar? Cause it's gonna be really loud and we're audio people Yeah, do you feel like Boston is kind of a, it's kind of a, a sound, I think of it as a sound town, right? They got Berkeley, it's a thing, so. And I feel like also it's, there's a lot of universities, which also, you know, opens up with a lot of things. Like that. I see. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're used to poor college students asking for <laughs> free things and stuff. Yeah. yeah, so anyways, thanks for sharing. That's, that's cool stuff. Hi, uh, Matt Miller, he, him. Uh, I live in Toronto, and um, first we have a wonderful game uh, co-working space called Gamma Space, and um, monthly we have a breakfast club game audio meet, which is a lot of fun, and then the folks at Ubisoft host uh, Richie Nieto and uh, Eduardo Barton host a game audio thing, which is at a bar that has a wonderful pizzeria in it. That gets a little loud, but they do have video games and like arcades and stuff. So yeah, cool. Cool. One thing I'll encourage everyone to do is uh, find the World Game Audio Groups map online. This is uh, a map of game audio groups across the world. Uh, so if you think there might be something near you, uh, it's hopefully on the map. Or if it's not on the map and you know about it. Uh, send it over so we can get it um, up there for people to find their communities. Because I think one of the one of the things that's been valuable for me is you know this, of course, um, but also locally. You know, who are the people that I can talk with and cultivate? Um, you know, my understanding of games and game audio is really critical to me, even. 
back when I lived in Minneapolis, where there's like, uh, yeah, we had a handful of audio folks after a while, but you know, some, some good development going on there. Um, and the local IGDA group was super supportive and, and a great resource for me to try to understand what even is game audio. Um, so a good question there. Folks that would call, the first year at GDC? Yep. Yeah, right on. Congrats, <laughs> you made it. Uh, two to five. All right, keep coming back. Must be good. Uh, Ten plus. Okay, yeah. Represent. Uh, we were up already. <laughs> yeah, you didn't have to get up early to come to the podcast. You were up already. I was up at half past three. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, jet lag. Who's got jet lag? <laughs> Great. Uh, I flew in the same time zone. Can I have jet lag too? Yeah. I'd like to claim that. Is that how that works? <laughs> okay, good. Uh, okay, so there were some parties yesterday, right? Who did some sightseeing this weekend? Landed early and saw some things? Uh, Kenny Young, uh, he in. I hung out with friends, did a few wine tours in Napa yesterday, and had some amazing Lebanese flatbread. Yeah. Lunch. I don't know where it was. Did the wine have anything to do with not going? <laughs> no. I, just, oh. I was just, it was a friend who lives in Sausalito and they, they drove us around. So ah, we just, we, she wasn't drinking. Yeah. I wasn't anywhere. It was great. Yeah. Uh, getting out of the city is rare. Yeah. Right? Anyone else get out of the city? Yeah. All right. Where, where'd you go? Sounds great. Yeah, rented a car and like yeah. cruised yeah, it. Someone, someone like <laughs> nice, nice. There was a moment where I could have lived in Petaluma. Oh, it's an interesting town. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So getting out of San Francisco is great. Uh, did you make it? Yeah. Well, kind of. Logan, he, him. Uh, I guess it's not quite as far out of the city. I went to Point Bonita and saw the the lighthouse out there. You could still see San Francisco, so it's not really out of the city, is it? But it was definitely a lot quieter and uh, just really neat to see everything out there. Yeah, right on. Uh, did someone go to the wave organ? Yeah. That person made it? Yeah? Hi, uh, Jonathan. He, him. Um, yeah, there's this like sound sculpture that's right out in the ocean, and um, basically when the waves come in, sort of like a tubulum, like the Blue Man Group kind of instrument, where there's uh -huh. a bunch of tubes that take the waves in, and then the, um, you know, the reflections sort of play this funky sound that comes out. Um, it's supposedly better on full moons and a high tide, so if you don't mind the area, Thursday night is apparently a good time, but I, you know, safety concerns are worth considering. So. Where, where is it? Um, it's, uh... It's right off the edge of Chrissy Field. Yeah, sorry, I'm still getting used to the area. So. Yeah, yeah. Same, Same I, only know, I only know the three mile radius around here. <laughs> it's way over there. <laughs> okay, gotcha. There, don't, don't count on it. But uh, that's good. The other one that I'll mention, if anyone is feeling frisky, is the Museum Mechanique. Yeah. Yeah. Has someone been there before? Yeah, I went yes. there yesterday. Okay. I did uh, a few days ago. Do you want to tell us what it is? Yeah. So Museum Mechanique. I, I do not speak French, but um, 
It's basically an old penny arcade, but you don't like you have to pay the quarters. But it's an old mechanical arcade that is just full of all kinds of those little things that you would slot quarters into, and you can see little slideshows all the way to whole like miniatures built up and animated when you put the quarter in. Um, and there's actually also a whole bunch of uh, restored uh, piano, not piano rolls, what are they? Player pianos that also have a bunch of other instruments in them. So put a quarter in and then you start hearing the piano and then like it starts whacking on a snare drum and kick and you know playing some little organ. It, there's all kinds of weird combinations in there, but it is a really fascinating place to go and see. And it, it, there's no fee to enter, you just have to pay to make things work. So. You can you can always wait for someone else to come by and pay for it if you're. If you're <laughs> <laughs> nice pro tip. <laughs> and if you're like me, they also had a little vending machine that at the very bottom had uh, CDs of the songs that they had the player pianos play. So I definitely got one of those. It was really cool. Or not? Yeah, it's a great spot. On yeah. a on a similar tip, there's the uh, Pacific Pinball Machine uh, Museum. Cousins involved with that, and I usually go to fix at night where we open them up. And uh, but it's tonight, so I can't I can't make it this no. year. But it's a pretty cool place. Yeah, if anyone can make it across yeah, that's the a, water. I'm not sure exactly how to get there from here. I'm, there's I a the bar to get them. There's the a bus. bar and a and a bus. That and a ferry. Go. You can do the ferry in Alameda too. Oh, cool. Uh, first times in San Francisco? Yeah, okay, good. Getting around all right? I've been Ubering it everywhere. <laughs> it's not the best, like, most economical thing, but like, I'm really bad at directions, so I'm just, oh, sorry, Calvert, Keenan, and so I'm just like Ubering it all up and down the state. So it's, it's a beautiful city, so I'm just enjoying it. Yeah, yeah, well, first time you're allowed to Uber it, I think, and, uh, and then the next time you'll be like, uh, okay, I got this, I'll figure out the BART, and, uh, Folks that took the BART from the airport? Yeah. <laughs> Recorded it. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> I need to do that in my library. <laughs> just the. <laughs> <laughs> that space used in Jackson. Morning, Matthew. Yesterday, uh, we then at some point switch gears and we start talking about what's going on today, right? It's Monday here. Uh, the audio track does not officially start until tomorrow, Tuesday. And so, what's everyone doing today? Uh, folks who have an all access pass with the VR Plus edition. All right, a couple folks, right? Seen any talks? Is anyone going to a presentation? Is there a keynote that's open to everyone? What's what do people have lined up today? What are you doing, Megan? <laughs> so uh, Megan, she heard. Um, I'm actually taking a kind of a risk and doing an all-day uh, storytelling uh, uh, panel. Like 
I guess. I, I, I'm assuming there's going to be a workshop too, uh, but it's like eight hours of just talking about narrative design, um, just something that's kind of like outside of my wheelhouse, and I just feel like it would be really, really cool. Quite narrative. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's, it's kind of super important because, you know, as audio storytellers, you know, we help the narrative in such ways that, you know, maybe we can take little cues from them yeah. to be like, oh, this is how you like manipulate, you know, emotions, you know, all the good things, <laughs> and uh, to craft a narrative. Karina Pryor is she, her. I'm also going to the narrative team, but it's just a 5.30 to 6, and it's um, called Investing in the Future Narrative Mentorship. Um, I'm really curious to see how they talk about teaching narrative and encouraging narrative amongst the different disciplines and between different people because I think that communication is really imperative to what we do as well. I think we would all agree, absolutely. And I guess I have a question for the group. Does anyone have good examples of uh, opportunities with narrative that they've had on projects they've worked on? Like, is that a thing that people have done? It's got one way in the back. And do you find you have a seat at the table with, uh, with the story team or the script writers? Yeah, and directly with the, the script writer, which also the producer of most of the show. Um, I also want to get a seat with the story captain too. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I was really consulted throughout the whole process on uh, the, the sound conveying to the characters and then the whole, the whole universe. Cool. Other examples of audio getting uh, a table, a seat at the table with narrative? Yeah. Hi, I'm Xavier. Um, so I actually sort of make like video game musicals. That's so it's kind of just like interactive songs. So that's always sort of like a front of my mind is like how like music and narrative, and especially for me, like lyrics. I feel like that's a pretty like untapped sort of area of what like, music and words. There's a, a great talk tomorrow from John Matz that's talking about theatrical, interactive, yeah. musical scoring, right? So uh, I'm like somewhere between like Grease and Madam Butterfly. That's <laughs> <laughs> what I'm thinking when it goes to video games. Uh, cool. Thanks for that perspective, John. I'm going to say I've, I've uh, been don't consider myself a writer, but I have um, sort of co-written scripts with creative directors on projects. And um, as soon as you said, brought up this topic, I immediately felt guilty because when I was doing that work, I never felt like I was looking for opportunities for audio as part of that process. But I think that's okay <laughs> because you know you're you're serving the project rather than looking for opportunities to crowbar your like personal fantasies into what you're doing. But I'd like to. I, I would have to go back and look at what I did to see if any opportunities came out of that, like unintentionally. Sure. Uh, which would be interesting. 
Well, because you're an audio person and through osmosis, you know, your brain probably looped out yeah. audio. Into and that's the numbers too, so it's like, yep. kind of so narrative we think narrative storytelling right these are words we are speaking right but I think of um, environmental storytelling as well right and audio oftentimes plays a huge role in environmental storytelling when we talk about even just uh, placing an emitter in the world like what is that sound saying what does it describe about the world and how does that and then that leads me to, you know, how does that dynamically reflect the changing world in response to the player's interactions, right? And so for me, um, storytelling is not just the narrative side, not just that, that piece that we think of, uh, that we learn from movies, right? Um, but that deeper visual and audio language of describing Um, yeah, I'm Andy. I go by ZBR again. Um, I've been thinking a lot about this in relation to temporal design lately. Um, temporal design just meaning how experiences unfold over time. Um, and sound is inherently temporal, right? Like you can't stop or pause sound. It has to move. It has to, it has to um, evolve. It has to be flown. And when I think about story, really, unless I'm thinking Need to be stood up 
Yeah. And it's to a degree. And it's harder for like uh, say when you realize after like picture lock, there's like a moment that you can be like, oh, it'd be really cool. It would help the narrative if we did this sonically. But you know, they might be like, uh, we can't up that. Like, I know a couple. Sorry. Oh, you're good. I'll, I'll, um, I'll stop. <laughs> I I think that um, in my experience, we um, you know we come from audio tends to come from a certain background, stories tends to come from a certain background, script writing. Um, and I, I think, I, I rarely meet somebody who, who would say to me that sound is not important, everybody understands sound is important, but I think what's the differential that doesn't work so well is the, the language of the conversation isn't really easy to have. And I think it's as much on us and maybe more on, it, on encouraging that conversation, like how, much, how many of us really know what like, or the denouement or the base ex machina or three act play, like, you know, structure really is. If we can learn how to speak their language by going to story, you know, story workshops, you know, and, and understanding what that language is, we can take what we know, have that conversation, and we invite people to that conversation and facilitate it that way. Yeah, or just asking for a seat at the table, yeah. right? Early in the production, right? Uh, being a part of it. I think the classic example, right, is the uh, the critical story dialogue they try to deliver at the same time as the giant explosion that's going on, right? And that is like, that is video game storytelling 101, right? And that, it happens all the time. That's also what Andy was talking about in terms of um, flow and temporal stuff, yeah. is that games are often super binary decisions where it's like, player does blah, trigger the thing, yeah. and that the yeah. job of not just audio, but it, audio does this so much, is to think about how to make the temporal consequences of that action be uh, smooth and how it can help. And that's where we actually end up helping the art teams and everyone else be like, I know it's just triggered, but you know, don't do the explosion at the same time as the dialogue. <laughs> do the dialogue after the explosion, or do the dialogue first, whatever works for the context. It doesn't have to be one or the other, but yeah, just to think about it. Yeah. And, and one other related thought I've got is that there's this um, naive assumption that it's made, and you can see why, which is where the whole get audio involved early thing, which is super important, but that, in a lot of, uh, if you put yourself in, in perspective of the producer, they think that means someone full-time on a project, therefore more cost. And so that's one of the reasons why it gets pushed to the end. It's got the stereotype of only being needed at the end, which is like, you know, not true, but that's the perception. And then they think, well, if it gets involved earlier, it's, it's more expensive. But actually, you know, I've been on projects where I've been involved from day one, but not full time. And that's still massively beneficial to the project. And so that's something to push for. And I feel like that ties into uh, Guy Whitmore's talk. Um, I can't remember which day it is. But Guy is, uh, is Guy here? Or not yet. So Guy's pushing an agenda of, um, which is like a positive one, of the idea of the a music designer. Um, and I feel like this ties into all this because it's trying to get composers out of this place of just being people who write music and getting them to be game developers and to be really conscious about, think about how they can use technology to make music more dynamic and really help the player experience. And I think, although that's an idea that's been around from day one, um, it's something that seems really sort of zeitgeisty right just now and so yep. if you've not thought about much of that before I encourage you to check out uh, Guy's talk because he's been pushing that his whole career and it's really interesting and it's helpful to chat yeah 
just to piggyback on what uh, what Tammy said there, uh, Mike, you can um, the the argument that it doesn't cost more. You can take it a step further and say it costs less because you'll know what the intent is earlier on. You'll be thinking about it even though you're not getting paid to think about it necessarily. <laughs> and when you deliver that first version, it's going to be closer to the final. You're not going to deliver something in that says, what is this? I need 10 iterations. I need this. I need that. It's all wrong. You're going to be more in tune with the developer than earlier on. And that's a, that's a producer level argument. Yeah. Ultimately, I think we're talking about advocacy as well, right? Because you're, well, no. Because, oh yeah, cool. Yeah, that's my phone. Yeah. <laughs> Would you like it? Uh, it's okay. You better not touch it. Uh, it's the Wi-Fi hotspot for this whole streaming thing that's going on with Twitch. Which, by the way, uh, if uh, if you have a chance, um, let people know in the community. We're going to try live streaming this every day. Um, anyway, yeah, sorry about that. Advocacy, though, right? Because you need as an audio person uh, in whatever you know project structure you're a part of, uh, you kind of have to constantly advocate for your seat at the table maybe, or for those opportunities uh, to get in early. Anyone have a success story about, um, about being an advocate for audio at their project or at their company? Yeah. You, yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm Joshua Heaton. Um, so recently we started storyboarding for a future project at Flexview and um, we weren't going to include audio at first, so it was just going to be slides basically saying like this is how it's going to work and so pitch it. And we assigned one sound designer half the time to basically queue up temp music and sounds to the slides yeah. and made a video out of it and that actually got us the green list. So um, the publisher liked it so much, they were like yeah let's go ahead and push this. So I think that's why like getting the audio into the pre-production is really, really cool. Yeah, that's a great story. Yeah. Uh, and so just like storyboard, animatic kind of thing, and then took a pass at it sound-wise and Super cinematic kind of thing, you know? Sure, yeah. sure. And you had the um, composer in on that as well, or you were the yeah, composer? Yeah, we had the composer in, just yeah. like some really tense stuff. Yeah. yeah, spaghetti at the wall, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also like all new concept art, mm -hmm. rather than thinking of <laughs> that's like a, maybe that's a future job. Yeah. In audio languages now, you hire super expensive, super talented people to do these ideas that inspire everyone working on the project. And, you know, you need some money to do that. <laughs> yeah. I think the question of what's the equivalent to a screenshot for audio, right? That was a topic that came up a few years ago. What I find so interesting about what you're talking about, oh, I forgot your name. I'm Joshua. Joshua, um, Mark, he, him, is that what we're all describing is a role of a music editor in film, and that's a very common role that's brought in right from the start in film. Maybe we need to push that role of music editor, someone who gets tech music, someone who tries to define the sound of, of like the music for, for a project right from the start. I don't think we have that as, as the video game industry, as a specific point. Right.
audio the ephemeral art, right? It's unseen and oftentimes unheard by developers uh, unless they have, you know, sound for the game on, which isn't always, uh, you can't always assume or expect it. Um, but piggybacking on that positivity side, I'm gonna just also take it to something I used to do on Fridays, was walk around the pit with a guitar and just kind of twang at people on a Friday. <laughs> sort of annoying, right? <laughs> Fine, I can handle that. Some people loved it, I did it for them, right? But what it did also, or at least my reasoning for being the annoying audio guy, sorry PDX, uh, is that it gave uh, visual to a discipline on the team that's not often represented, right? So, oh, there's the person who does audio for our game, super annoying, I mean, I love it. Um, that's right, we have audio in our game, wow. It surprisingly uh, went a long way towards kind of building bridges between other disciplines. And, and again, it's just the idea, you maybe feel it in a Slack channel, right? When you're chatting with your team or um, water cooler conversation, I'm sure, right? But it's, how do you, how do you um, give solidity to this kind of ephemeral art? Matthew? Sort of, sort of related. Um, at Clay, uh, we work very differently than just about everybody else. All of the sound designers get a musical team. So we are constantly a visual element to the team, we're part of the team. We're not in rooms tucked away somewhere else. And that does mean that the, we work on headphones all day, which trade-offs of being a visible part of the team, you know, eight hours a day is invaluable. Like, it's just, like, it's so much different working the way I am than I used to work, you know, when I worked with the play team, just tucked in a room, forgotten about it and stuff. But I overhear stuff that audio should be involved in, and it's not that they mean so to do something, they just don't think about it. And I can jump up and go, I need to be part of your little chat. Thought it was right. They're like, you're just the audio person. But I still want to be a part of the game. I'm helping create. 
learning how the music fits, and I like seeing how the art fits with what I'm doing. And it has turned into something that has been really valuable, where they'll like private message me, hey, I don't want the other people to know that I might have messed this up, can you please text it for me real fast? You know, and being someone that they can rely on to go to to you know, support them and say, it looks really awesome with this, here's some things that as a player, I would want to change before we actually get it to the real players. And that's been something that I've enjoyed creating those connections with. Yeah, building goodwill with the community. something as small as being a part of the Slack channel for a feature, or even a project, even if you're not slated to do sound design yet, you know, if you're still into the mechanics, you know, sometimes it's an extra step or seven to expose data to the audio system. It's like, hey, if you guys are doing that, uh, can you like give us this data? Because we would like to do something like this. And if you do that, I have an hour or so this afternoon that I can even temp something for you to get that data. So I think that keeps everyone excited about, you know, what the end audio experience John PM, uh, it, just pick, piggybacking on everything else that's been said, although sometimes you don't get a green light to, to start some sounds uh, or a palette or a base of sounds that you may need for the game, it's good to just sit in there because sometimes when they talk about animation or art style and everything, the descriptions they use can be very useful for sound and sometimes they don't use those same words during the, the sound meetings of what they want and I think that's very helpful because I dealt with that on a previous project where they used completely different words in the animation and style of it, and then they look at the sound, they used words they thought they were using properly, but they weren't. Uh, and if you just helped, if we were sitting in the uh, meeting with the animators and everything, it would have been a lot easier. And we would have had something also to help with getting your mindset of what type of sound you may need down the road when you when they really want to do like a, a work on the game. Yeah, vocabulary, right? Words. They're so uh, strange, especially this early in the morning. But uh, absolutely defining a vocabulary, having a common common words that you are in agreement over the meaning of with your developer and, and being able to get those from them. Yeah, JP Data. Uh, I love sitting in the art channels uh, on Slacks or in like Facebook groups in my college when I was there. Actually, I'm still in that one. But you can sit there and you know people will post their art animations things and you can learn how to give feedback on that so that when they come and ask you, you've already seen a lot of this stuff. You know, you you have animations in your head. You've said, you know, I think that like the rhythm kind of feels weird on it. And so that when you get it, like when it actually comes down the pipeline to do the audio, the rhythm's right because they fixed it because you you as an audio person have a good sense of rhythm already. You probably have watched a lot of movies, played a lot of games. You have an aesthetic sense. You can make those aesthetic feedback things. And they probably like it too because you're kind of an outsider. Uh, and you know, we like it when people say, it doesn't sound right, you know, like there's something wrong. You know, there's having another perspective is good for audio and it's the same way in other channels as well. So that so true, like when you care about the work that someone else is doing, uh, they get excited about it, right? Like imagine yourself and someone came to you and was like, what's up with this sound? 
and you're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just uh, it's just good vibes all around, right? When when you take that uh, interest uh, at that level, and again, it's as a creative, as an artist, as someone who you know has to negotiate the interpersonal relationships of the people on your team, right? Like, how do you um, how do you build those relationships, and then how do you navigate those in the you know feedback loop? Um, wow, we can unpack that one all week. Actually, yeah, it's a good. Can I, can I jump into like yeah. different stuff? So there's like a trend happening here, which I like. Everyone likes to be immersed in the, the intro, which I think is really good. But like, what about the other side? So there are times where like your project is done, right? When so let's talk about like the game is finished, it looks beautiful, polished, and everything. And we just need music. Um, at this point, I honestly, I don't really like it too much. I feel a little bit detached, where now it's like a job, right? Not just like an audio job, like I just get paid to do it. And I don't really feel like any, like my heart's not really in it. So I guess maybe has anyone had like an experience where it's like, you know, I don't, I don't want to do this project. Because like, I don't really feel like I'm part of this team. Or maybe like they've done it, but not feel happy about it. I like working on projects that even if they don't pay well, I would, I would enjoy doing it just because, you know. Because they're involved. I'm in part of the process. Yeah. Part of it. I, yeah. Like, I like being part of the process. Yeah. Do you have a? Yeah, uh, I guess I kind of had uh, once doing on a project where the, the team just wanted audio assets, uh, like for sound effects in the game, uh, and I felt like I needed to advocate for like a middleware or like control over the scripting of the sound because oftentimes, like because of the interactive and like dynamic nature of the mix in games, uh, what you hear when you're when you're working on your own little corner is like not what goes on the other. because the sound uh, is only half the wave file, right? Oh, sorry. Yeah, the wave file is only half the sound. There we go. Uh, the implementation piece, right? How it's played back by this crazy system is the other half of the sound, right? Uh, so if you, as the, as the sound professional, as the content matter expert, don't have some level of control over that, you're either going to have to do a lot of work to potentially get someone on the page with what your vision of that sound is, uh, or yeah, have have an opportunity to do it yourself. Have a success story from back in the day. Yeah. Or, or basically, we talked about the same thing where it was uh, some fine folks uh, took some capture of their thing and they were giving like a voiceover description of kind of what they want. I was like, okay, we, we're thinking we want kind of this here, we kind of want this here, and I took it. Oh, okay, cool. Um, so it's like these guys actually care about their audio and they know what they want. And so they were expecting, you know, delivered assets and phone call it a day, get the contract work, sign the check, and be done with it. Um, but instead, you know, it's like going, okay, cool. It's like, so they want this here, they want this here, they want this here. And I'm going, maybe it would be cool if they had this here too. Maybe it would be cool if they had this here too. Or maybe it would be even cooler if they did this. Um, so I delivered them not only just the assets, but also kind of a high-level overview of what I thought would be cool to do with the assets. Um, then they went and did it. Because <laughs> um, I didn't do any of the implementation, I still only delivered assets, but also I gave instructions on what to do with them. Nice. Um, nice. So I can make the most out of them. Yeah. Can I comment on that? Yeah. Um, recently, I, I've mostly done work with like uh, console games, but recently I got an opportunity to do a slot machine, and 
that had a very, very specific uh, set of assets that were needed and a very specific direction that was sort of based on uh, previous uh, titles that they had done. And at the same time, there, so, you know, you could approach it and be very functional and very dry about it, okay, this does exactly this, but sort of speak to what you were saying before, um, try to look for opportunities where maybe there was a bit of a more elaborate um, animation or something to go a little bit crazier on. And occasionally I was told to, you know, reel it back, but on certain occasions there were, you know, surprises where like, oh, well, we hadn't thought of that, let's put that in there. There might be some old assets that they're reusing that you can maybe tweak. So um, even if the, you know, potential for like a full creative exp like personal expression isn't there from the get-go, you can usually find little opportunities to kind of uh, channel, I guess, your passions more and uh, find like more elaborate things to do within that. Provided it's within the scope, of course. Wow, I'm putting a pin in this. Welcome. This is exactly what this morning meetup is meant to encourage. This just kind of, um, you know, sharing of perspectives um, from different folks and different experiences, uh, all towards this goal of kind of a group understanding. We're all trying to learn from each other. Um, and it's great, it's great. Our conversation starts one place, it goes, it ends up somewhere else, and all week long, your head is gonna be filled with all of this great inspiration and these great ideas. Uh, and this is just one of those places where in the game audio community, you can have these conversations. Um, you know, of course, the, the presentations starting tomorrow with the audio boot camp uh, will be all day, and then throughout the week, uh, as those presentations continue to ensue across all the different disciplines, um, the, the hallway outside of the audio talks turns into this pretty pretty fast uh, with groups of folks throwing down about different inspirations. Uh, every day around noon, we end up behind the carousel by Moscone for a casual lunch and Matthew, would you like to say something? Uh, this will be the third year I'm, um, we're organizing Carousel Con. I've got a great bunch of people curating talks each day at 1 p.m., which is like right at the middle of the lunch break. Um, we'll have people talking in front of everyone and they just grab bags on So Wednesdays, Thursdays, Friday, 1 p.m., uh, come hang out. We usually get a gathering about this size, which is really awesome. Yeah. Um, same kind of thing. We have some people talk. We encourage Grab a lunch, the community is usually back there every day. Uh, you're likely to bump into some folks. Uh, it's a great spot to, again, kind of continue these kind of discussions um, and find the community. Uh, in addition to that, the Game Audio GDC hashtag has, who has found that on Twitter? <coughs> yep, if you haven't, maybe now is a good time to start being a tweeter, at least for the week. Uh, to tune into that, you can do a search for that hashtag in, in the app. 
and tends to be a lot of uh, insights that people post up there sharing with the community at large. It also ends up being a, hey, where is everyone going now? Let's go, yeah, see you there. Um, a lot of coordination that happens in that channel and so feel free to tap into that. That is, your community is there, um, hustling to, to find each other and, and kind of keep the good thing uh, happening. Um, let's see, it's Monday, there's a party tonight, yeah. Uh, BGM is having a party um, at Kagan Idol. Six o'clock. Okay, there's that. Um, it's but just just a bar. You don't need to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just a bar. Just a bar. Uh, yeah. Uh, I just want to mention something. I see a lot of people wearing their badges right now for the conference. As a safety thing, it's probably a good idea to take those off and put them away. Um, it marks you as a tourist in the city. <laughs> safe in general, yeah. right? Buddy up, find a squad, like roll this town with uh, with some folks because there's safety in numbers. I think we all know that. And uh, just on the subject of badges, I mean, a lot of people look like you've already picked yours up. If this year you happen to be badge-less, there's a lot of stuff happening around GDC as well that obviously is free. Um, we at Audio Connecticut, we do have about, I'm gonna say two dozen Expo Pass Plus that we can give away. So if anyone needs one, find me, I'll give you a code, and you can just go get it. Sweet, sweet. Uh, I'm not gonna tell you what other super cool things are happening this week, because there's just too much. Uh, it's gonna be great. Uh, and each day, we're gonna talk about those things. So you just gotta get to tomorrow morning, and you'll get the full download again of what's cool tomorrow. Uh, so with that, I hope you found coffee. Now I, yeah. um, I just want to say I'm talking tonight at the Jam Pipe Party. Where um, are you speaking? Um, I'm talking about uh, uh, work um, under the art track. It's basically VR learning in the interdisciplinary nature of, the art, of uh, literature. Sorry. And uh, what we basically focus on is, uh, is, is a little post-mortem on, on the film we worked on. And, and, uh, and how to work with like different people from different backgrounds and how to make sure that interdisciplinarity uh, works within the city. That's um, the little bit that I'm talking about artists, for example, and stuff like that. Sound design, art, poetry, and stuff like that. Ah, it sounds great. It's a panel? Uh, it's a talk. Okay. It's, uh, but yeah, it's for three people. Three people. Great. So that's in the VR track, 530. <laughs> awesome. Anyone else speaking? Yeah. Doing a talk on Friday on uh, spatial audio in Bodyfest, VR cycle. Awesome. Uh, will you be here Friday morning to talk more about it? Sure. Great. Spin that up. I'm talking Thursday, so I'll try to be here Thursday morning to talk all about that. Sounds like a deal. Uh, well, again, I hope you found coffee. Uh, thanks to Sennheiser for dropping some Karasa coffee. Y'all better drink that.
Sennheiser has loaned us this Ambio VR mic that we're recording the podcast with and broadcasting out over Twitch. Uh, Chris Burgess loaned me a MixPre 6, and that thing is sweet. Uh, Pete Comley, uh, field recorder stuff in Seattle, dropped this tripod on me, and it's just gorgeous. I don't know how you feel about tripods, but this one is <laughs> pretty cool. Uh, and again, like, thank you all for showing up, and I look forward to meeting you this week, and see you tomorrow, hopefully.